0: Welcome one, welcome all to week four edition of the Three-Eyed Hogcast. We're excited to have you back here. It's the third edition of the Hogcast, and I couldn't be more excited to uh, to hop on the ones and twos here and uh, bring you some of the new segments we've got cooking. Just an over, overview of today's episode. We're going to start off with some, uh, you know, we have some corporate sponsorships at this point. I'm not going to lie to you. Between me and you, and just between me and you, these are not paid ads at this point. However, they are dear and near partners of ours, and uh, these are futures plays realistically. I'm looking to get maybe a little field turf in my backyard at some point. Maybe a couple free, big beef, dipped, hot and juicy, sweet peppers. You know, that's that's kind of what we're playing for here. So bear with us, but you you really should uh, pay credence to these uh, to these corporate partnerships we have. After that, we're gonna talk about college, college football. We're gonna go to last week's picks. What went right? What went wrong? What happened in that Texas game? We're gonna hop into world news. We got a couple fun topics for you in there. World famous world news segment. We're going to hop into some, uh, some recent happenings in the NFL, uh, including a Keeping Up with the Joneses segment to touch on a little bit of Danny Jones. Now, despite our being a stark anti-Giants podcast, uh, because of the geographical proximity to Giants country, of which there's a lot of fake and fraud fans, but still you know, represent a, a segment of the listenership, we do have to touch on the Giants a little bit. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go into Danny Jones' performance the other day. And after that, we're going to hop right into our pop culture segment. On the debut of the pop culture segment here, we're going to do a little breakdown of uh, some modern musical lyrical genius. Uh, we're going to break it down. We're going to try to make some uh, some new hit tunes, uh, interpretable for our younger and older audiences, whoever it might be, so they can kind of get a feel uh, in you know relative or anecdotal terms for what certain new verbiage the youth are using in music uh, back in football terms. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a little, little remix in there at some point, too. After that, we're going to hop into the NFL games. We're going to go a little bit of an analysis of what happened last week, what we saw, what we noticed, what's important. We're going to go into what went right, what went wrong with our picks. And then we're going to talk about our next slate of picks here, which are guaranteed to be winners. I mean, we're trending up, right? I want one in seven. And then I went just about 500 this week. That means I'm probably right at like a 7-1 clip for this week, if not 8-0. You might as well put your rent on a parlay on my picks this week. So without further ado, let's get into the hogcast. So to kick things off, let's punt it over to our first big-time corporate sponsor. Really excited to announce this. The Yonkers, New York branch of Ewing Corporation just went live. Ewing Corporation, your leader in home and industrial landscaping equipment. Ewing has been a partner of the Hogcast and all of its musings for a while now. We're excited to announce that it's launched its Yonkers branch. Now, uh, my good buddy Jack's up there flipping around a couple racks of ribs, some chicken wings. He's doing a great job. You guys should go check it out. Not too far of a train ride up to Yonkers. Great landscaping equipment. I'm sure that all of you listening with your vacuous Manhattan backyards are going to be super fired up to hear about all the stuff they've got to offer. Right now, just until the end of September, we're happy to announce this special offer for the Hogcast listeners. Use promo code HOG, that's H-O-G, or H-O-G-G, also works, for 25 free feet of tubing when you buy 25 more. Now, I repeat, promo code HOG, one or two Gs, for 25 free feet of tubing, when you buy 25 feet or more, tubing goes from 1 inch diameter all the way up to 4 inch diameter. Who knows what you're going to use it for, but 25 free feet, that's a pretty damn good deal, I'd say. Promo code HAWK. Use it today. Like I said, Jack tosses around a mean rack of ribs on the grill. What Jack also does is uh, he's currently searching for a truck driver uh, for some Ewing delivery trucks. Now there's some uh, sketchy zoning restrictions and rules around the freeways up in yonkers so you're gonna have to have great sense of geography the only other job requirement here for that truck driving rule is less than three duis now i hope that not too many listeners of the hodcast fall outside of that realm of eligibility however you never know our podcasting platform does not give us Demographic information. It, it gives us plenty of data on each and every one of you, mind you. And don't worry about that. We have all of your data. But we don't have, you know, a number of DUIs per listener stat right now. So it's tough to say whether you guys all fit into the demo for this for this role. But reach out to Jack. searchmonster.com for Ewing truck driver Yonkers roles. And feel free to reach out if you're interested. Great perks. Ribs. Every weekend, the kid knows how to throw, on the, throw a slab on the, on the grill. And they, I mean, they got field turf there, you know. It's like, I look at, I look at the field turf in that warehouse. Oh, my God. I, I just imagine them outfitting uh, an NFL training camp and cruising into camp and, and seeing Quentin Nelson or someone of similar stature, of which there are very, very few, running defensive tackles into the turf, shredding up grass and dirt. And having the Ewing Corporation just wheel in brand new sod, beautiful sod from the warehouse, and it just gets me going. They got enough sod for Quentin Nelson to practice five times a day for five straight years, and they wouldn't run out. So check them out. But before you bail on us to go check out the Ewing website or uh, head straight up to the Yonkers facility, in fact, let's get into our college picks, uh, both from last week and our college picks looking ahead into this next week. So, a couple things happened last week. Swanee took uh, Swanee took Cal to cover versus Ole Miss, which they did handily. Uh, it was a nice nice week for the Swan in that regard. Um, I had picked Texas. Now, Texas was up 13 points late in the fourth there. And Oklahoma State, for some reason, thought they needed to come and ruin everyone's day. Came back with a last-second touchdown. To, uh, to bring the total within six, which was unfortunate for our bottom line here, of course. Now, Texas did look like an absolute wagon. Uh, they looked great that entire game. Their defense did a great job of containing the, the two horses from Oklahoma State at first. And I'm going to really like Texas moving forward here with future picks for the rest of the season. I think you should, too. But uh, we pushed on that one. Um, and then Jake obviously picked Wisconsin over Michigan. Now, not only because he's a Golden Dome or homer, but Jake uh, Jake recognized that those hogs from Wisconsin are just simply unbeatable in some cases, especially um, at home. And you had a Michigan defense, still pretty young. And you had a Michigan defense that really struggled against the run versus Army. So they struggled again versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin looked fantastic. Um, they're a scary team. They'll lose to Iowa uh, in a couple weeks and then they might uh, slip up to someone else real easy later on, and they'll probably, um, you know, they'll hit like an Outback Bowl or something like that. But, uh, but they look good right now, so they took it to Michigan. Now, if I was a Michigan fan, I'd, I'd almost be sorry that, uh, that Army's kicker, freshman kicker, didn't make that field goal at the end of the game in their second game because then you could have just got rid of Harbaugh, gone into the Wisconsin game with a fresh start, Maybe some optimism that, you know, the team would respond well to a different coach, a la David Shaw in Stanford when Harbaugh left Stanford a number of years ago. But instead, you just got to you got to you up in Madison. It was a tough one to watch. So Jake, uh, Jake won that one. So going into the third week of the Hogcast, we currently stand at a Swan with a 1-1 record. I've got an 0-1-1 record in college picks, and Jake is uh, back to 1-1. He's going to make you some money again. He did win his first college pick of the season. Now let's look forward to this week, in fact. So uh, this week's picks, we uh, we got a couple good ones. Uh, Swan's not making the pick this week because of his absence on the show, obviously, but he'll be back back at his trough in no time, I'm sure. My pick this week is a big, fat, juicy line in the ACC. I got burned on a UNC bet earlier this season after they looked really good in the first two games. uh, They absolutely got whooped upon in the first three quarters against Wake Forest. I couldn't pull that one out. But I do like them plus 27 versus Clemson this week. Uh, Call me an idiot. I probably am. I usually am. But uh, they're hosting Clemson. This feels like one where Mac Brown will get his guys riled up for this one. And uh, Clemson's a wagon. Don't get me wrong. They got a great offensive line. Four preseason, first team, all ACC offensive linemen on that line. However, UNC at home, getting 27 points. It's too juicy for me to pass up. Uh, I do think they lose, but I think they keep it more interesting than people are going to think. It's going to be like a 27 14 Clemson win. Clemson's not going to look that great in the first half. Maybe I take UNC money line in the first half, potentially. And then uh, I do think uh, Clemson will pull this out, but, but not by 27 points. So that's my pick. Moving on to Uncle Jake's lock of the week, what you guys have all been waiting for. Uh, now, Jake uh, officially lists himself at a 2-1 record, but 1-1 on picks on the pod. So here's Jake's pick. After a big week last week, we're going to follow up with a contrarian play. Nebraska-Ohio State is going to be one of the best games of the year, and here's why. The Buckeyes play a pitiful schedule that involves little in the way of real competition for most of the season, while the Huskers are stuck in the midst of a program rebuild. You're getting 17 points to bet against a bunch of guys that have barely smacked the pads this year, and we're going to pick Nebraska. Plus, Ohio State is generally ripe for an annual Big Ten collapse. Why not this week? Nebraska plus 17. Now, Jake's financial crisis rating is Daddy's first Rolex. Now, that might be a bit weaker of a, of a rating than we saw last week with the Pretend you Lehman Brothers and this game is a subprime mortgage rating. Um, potentially, he doesn't quite believe in this rebuild under Scott Frost for Nebraska just yet. I don't necessarily believe that Nebraska will cover 17 either. However, I do think Ohio State, um, they really haven't slapped the pads around. And despite beating Indiana pretty handily last week, uh, they might be they might be in store for a letdown. We'll we'll see what happens. Jake's got uh, Jake's got Nebraska. So hey, I throw Daddy's Rolex on that. Uh, it's in Nebraska, which is always it's always a tough place to play, regardless. So so uh, we got Nebraska plus 17. I'm play, I'm seeing plus 17 and a half right now. If you can lock that in, get after it. But those are those are our college picks of the week. UNC against Clemson and Nebraska against Ohio State. A couple big dogs. Now that we're uh, through the cuff picks, let's let's hop outside of football here for a second. Let's go to our world famous world news segment. Now world famous in Belgium, Japan and Qatar. I've been informed that it's pronounced Qatar not Qatar. Uh, it's a big surprise to everyone involved. The person who told me this, uh, I do trust infinitely more than I trust any uh, any of the other hooligans who I who I roll around with who, you know, probably don't know the correct pronunciation of many things coming from the Middle East, but we have a, a cutter listener now so let's um let's go into our world news segment here now the big news for you know earlier in the spring it was it was kind of the hot topic and then last week it popped up again because it was you know in trend and that was the date that things were supposed to occur and go down was the storming of area fifty one now if you're not familiar basically some uh, some dude who knows who this guy is uh, he organized a Facebook event to arrange people storming Area Fifty One, and basically all these nerds online uh, had the, had this great idea that they were going to go run in uh, like a bunch of idiots. They have this thing called the Naruto Run, which is where you basically stick your arms out behind you and you put your head down um, and and sprint into Area Fifty One, apparently searching for aliens. I don't know. It was a weird. It was a whole weird internet thing, and uh, people like to talk about how they wanted to do it, but. Obviously, just a heinous move to follow through on that. Um, so anyways, and I'll break this down for you too. This Naruto running form, basically it looks like you're keeled over, you're sprinting, you're about to puke, and you're like holding a box like behind your back at the same time. It's a heinous running form. First of all, by bending your torso over to a 90-degree angle, you're unable to get full, uh, full hip flexion at the top of your stride So you're going to decrease your running speed inherently based on that body geometry. Number two, you generate actually a lot of force through correct arm movement in your running form. So for you runners out there, if you're sprinting or anything, you're going to want to take your arms straight forward and straight back. A lot of people, especially bigger guys like myself, like to rotate their arms around their body uh, as if they're in some sort of comical Santa Claus skit. Now, uh, the, the arms are a big, a big form, like a big uh aspect of having a, a efficient sprinting form. As is having an upright torso. So this whole Naruto run clearly not thought up by athletes. Another thing that was not thought out well about this whole dumb storming area fifty one thing. Um, all these people, like I said, internet nerds, not the biggest guys. They think that they're just gonna run into like you know metal barricades and. Uh, AR 15 fire by the military and just get off scot free. No, and what they overlooked is uh, the best way to run into a direction of a goal that you're trying to get to is to load up a convoy of wagons, preferably six foot four to six foot six, 320 plus pound men. Uh, normally hailing from the American Midwest and attending a Big Ten University to play American football, that is the best way to run to an end goal slash destination. The fact that I saw no engagement from this type of human being on this whole internet thing means that it was a doomed endeavor from the start here. So uh, in the future, internet nerds who are listening to this, of which I don't know how many there are, uh, if you want to run into an end goal here, and let's use the parallel of football as an example. When a running back tries to run into an end zone, he's hiding behind his 325-pound guards, okay? Now, if you to in an Area 51, you better assemble some sort of convoy of wagons. I don't know how down Quentin Nelson would be to follow through on your dumb idea here, but just think about it next time. You're going to want someone with a little bit of girth, a little bit of power, and the ability to stop a charging 270-pound defensive end in his tracks. Uh, it, it, there's not much else in the world that's harder to stop than that, including you know, M16 bullets, um, any sort of anti-crowd uh, suppressants that the military might have. I, I'm sure that a big old uh, left guard from Wisconsin could eat that up in a heartbeat. So just a, a word of strategy for the next, next year's Area 51 raid. Think about that, Internet Nerds. Uh, be my guest. Uh, free piece of advice there. So that's our world news for the week. Just free advice getting passed around on the internet. Someday I'm going to get paid for these ideas. Probably not anytime soon. But uh, but take that for free for now. And uh, if you want to bring me on as a consultant for other dumb endeavors that you might have, I'm I'm more than willing and able to, uh, to scheme up uh, a solution that involves offensive linemen. And with that, let's get into our second huge corporate sponsorship-slash-partnership-slash-I'm-just-promoting-them in hopes of getting a free sandwich someday. It's Hank's Juicy Beef. And this doubles as the Beverage of the Week segment here. Swanee, so, I'm sipping on a Hank's Juicy Brew from Hank's Juicy Beef. Now, Hank's Hank's is the preeminent Italian beef sandwich in Manhattan, in downtown Manhattan to be specific. Hank, uh, he is from the southwest suburb of Oak Park in Chicago. He went to a high school mind conference back in the day. He then went to community college at Yale. And now he's a very successful beef entrepreneur. So check out Hank's Juicy Beef. It's on Chambers Street. Hank's Juicy Brew from the Bronx Brewery. One of the best beers around. Pairs well with the big beef dipped hot and sweet peppers. Hank's Juicy Beef. If you're ever downtown, go check them out. Hank, I know you're listening. Throw me a beef sometime, maybe a dog, all the trimmings. Hey, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. Getting on to NFL news, speaking of offensive linemen, the New York Giants offensive line very improved this season. Very improved. Uh, They look a lot better than they did last season. And despite four sacks from Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay this past week, they did pave the way for their rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones, to have an absolutely enormous game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, Jones has been the talk of the town lately. We have Giants fans suddenly having some sort of hope for the future of their franchise once again, which, I mean, if you, if you had the same experience as I did of walking into the office after that Giants number six overall pick back in April of Daniel Jones from Duke, I mean, you would be astounded that these guys were now gloating and uh, you know high on their high on their britches and horses and whatever the phrase is that you might use there. Uh, they're all feeling high and mighty here about their new star, quote unquote, asterisk asterisk quarterback in Daniel Jones. Now, I will admit, Jones had a nice nice game, led a game winning drive, did all right. However, just to tamper expectations here and and bring that performance back into the real world here, let's do a little game of guess that quarterback, okay? Um, I'm going to read off two stat lines for you, and then we'll go into a little more depth analysis of what they mean. Quarterback number one went 23 for 36, 364 total yards passing and rushing, four total touchdowns passing and rushing, two and two. Uh, Two passing, two rushing. Quarterback, uh, and quarterback number one puts up 32 points for his team. Quarterback number two, 19 for 26, 407 total yards, and six total touchdowns, all passing, right? And his team put up 48 points. Okay, so let's talk through this. Quarterback number one, uh, it seems like a run-pass threat, even though you wouldn't really call him a run threat. Quarterback number two, obviously the purer passer with those six touchdown passes. Obviously a better team leader in general, scoring 48 points on the opponent, uh, getting his offense really up in gear uh, for a big day. Um, quarterback number two just seems like the better guy in every stretch of the imagination, every facet of quarterbacking. It seems like the quarterback number 2 is a type of guy that you could never criticize in any fashion. 407 total yards and 6 touchdowns as opposed to 364 and 4, okay? Now, let me reveal the identities of those two quarterbacks and those two games that they played in. Number 1, obviously Daniel Jones, 364, four total touchdowns. Number 2, in a very similar scenario, Trubisky in what is essentially a rookie year. Year one under Matt Nagy, week four last season instead of week three this season for Jones. So week four last season, 407 total yards, six passing touchdowns, and a 48-10 routing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Giants fans, just to let you know, Mitch, in an almost identical scenario against a flailing Buccaneers team, last year under Dirk Ketter, too, an absolute trash head coach. This year you have a respectable head coach, in Bruce Arians. Puts up more points, puts up more yards, throws for more touchdowns, appears to be the more pure passer in general. Um, also outrushed Daniel Jones in that game for, for the record, for, for good measure. I just want you to, to think about that next time you're real high and mighty about your Buccaneers win. we got a quarterback in Chicago. The brunt of many, many a joke and many much criticism, probably for his top ten pick. As well as well as Daniel Jones, as a top ten pick, both of them are kind of getting a little bit of flack from their respective high expectation fan bases. Now, Trubisky clearly with a with a more epic performance in that one, and uh, you know he's still receiving flack by the media, and uh, I don't I don't know why. I think uh, this media is being awfully harsh on Ms. Trubisky. All the people around the world are being awfully harsh on the kid. Clearly superior to Daniel Jones. In fact, one and a half times as good by most statistical measures. So I just want to put that on the table in our keeping up with the Daniel Jones's segment here. Now, Jones might continue to be very good. He might regress. I would wager, if I was a wagering man, that he will regress, in fact. Not he does it doesn't have the natural leadership skills that Mitch does. Clearly not as pure passer, but hey. That's 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 a that's as close of a test and comparison as you could possibly get there. So keep that in mind, Giants fans. Now moving on here, we've got a little pop culture segment. Very short, very quick. I uh, just wanted to highlight our outro song. Absolute banger, as you might have noticed if you've uh, hopefully listened to the end of the last two podcasts. Uh, the outro song for the 3-Eyed Hogcast officially is the song Sixes to Nines by Big Wild featuring Rationale. Do I know those bands uh, intimately from prior engagements with their music? No, not per se. However, the song's name is Sixes to Nines, which uh, we take the two out of the middle and we get six nines. So obviously there's some sort of allure there. Um, And it's an absolute banger, right? So the song itself is about uh, turning someone's sixes to nines Essentially, what they're referring to here, and and don't take your mind out of the gutter, pigpen, podcast listeners, take your minds out of the gutter. Uh, when you turn someone's sixes to nines, it means you're turning their world upside down. It's really a romantic concept, and I'd like you to think about it that way instead of in some perverse fashion. Now, what does that mean, right? Can we? Uh, maybe we'll elaborate with a little anecdotal evidence of uh, to tie it back to the song. So. Let me just tell you about something that turns my sixes to nines, okay? Turns my world upside down. The first thing I think of, and a little bit of recency bias here, but really something that got me going, got me a little bit uh, worked up on Sunday, a little bit overjoyed, was watching a dominant offensive line unit do what they're supposed to do against an inferior team, inferior defensive front, and put up not only gaudy numbers, but unprecedented numbers over the past 20 seasons. The Dallas offensive line faced off against what I will admittedly say is a, a depleted Miami defensive front. And what they did on Sunday in the 1 to 4 p.m. time slot was, uh, was really impressive. It was really impressive. Now, going five across on that offensive line, because I think they all deserve to be mentioned, Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, Travis Frederick, who got back this season from Guillain-Barr syndrome, which is a, a genetic uh, disease that he overcame. Zach Martin out of Notre Dame, only one of many famous guards to rifle through the Notre Dame program. And at right tackle, Lyle Collins, who still may be the biggest steal of an acquisition any team has ever made. He had some false allegations against him uh, in the domestic space coming out of college, uh, later fully disproven. He would have been a top-ten pick that season. Instead, the Cowboys snatched him up real late, and uh, one of the best picks they've ever made. The guy's an absolute wagon. Well, anyways, they go they, they go into Jerry World on Sunday, absolutely beat up on the Miami Dolphins defense. It's, a, it's kind of a co-wagon of the week effort. Now our wagon of the week in the Tuesday morning left tackle. And if you aren't familiar with the Tuesday morning left tackle, go, out, go check out threeeyedhog.com. Tuesday morning left tackle, published every Tuesday morning, summary of the week's action in the NFL. But what they did uh, as, you know, runner-up co-wagons of the week this week is uh, all they did was uh, block for 235 yards rushing by the Dallas running backs, paved the way for Dak to have another immaculate game, three touchdowns, one interception, threw up a a buttload of yards, 260-something. And uh, they looked pretty impeccable throughout uh, throughout that game on Sunday. Now, it was the first time two Dallas running backs in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard had rushed for over 100 yards each since 1998. And if you uh, hearken back to those days, that was the Great Wall of Dallas. Had some all-time players up there. Nate Newton was one of them. Larry Allen was one of them. A couple of absolute wagons up front. Now, they did it with a backfield that featured Emmitt Smith. So, unprecedented stuff by the Dallas offensive line. It was a lot of fun to watch. I would tune into every Dallas game you can for the rest of the season, and luckily we get them on Sunday night football on NBC this week. So, uh, co-wagons of the week, they turn my sixes to nines. So, uh, you know, whether you're uh, 18 or, or 82, listen to this Hogcast right now. Uh, we have pig pen members of all ages. Uh, that's your pop culture interpretation of the day. And we'll get another uh, clip of sixes to nines here for you before we head into our next segment. and uh, and yeah, that's uh,
1: that's that you. away mm-hmm. we'll together, so But one thing I know for sure
0: you turn my sixes to nines. You turn my sixes to nice. All right, hope you enjoyed that. Absolutely the banger of the fall. It's one of those songs you put on at work and you literally put it on one song repeat for a while just because it's got everything you need. It's a feel-good vibe. It's kind it got a little energy to it. It's got great melody. Uh, that backup singer is unbelievable. Um... And it's just it's great stuff. It's great stuff. So glad to uh, welcome welcome you into the world of 6s to 9s by Big Wild. Let's move on to our next and final segment, our Games of the Week and Picks of the Week. Now, there's some crappy games this week, I will admit. There are some very good games as well. Uh, so let's dive into the really good games. we got six of them on the slate for you here, picks-wise. Uh, and so I went... One and seven, week one. It was I was rusty. I'm I'm new to the hog-casting game. One and seven. It was a tough. It was a tough tough go for me. Four and five last week with a couple garbage backdoor covers that uh, that screwed me quite a bit. So based on those trends, let's run some numbers. Oh yeah, I'll probably go uh, five and one or six and zero oh this week, depending on uh, you know like a little variation margin there. But you should probably parlay my picks here. Throw uh, throw throw some uh, large number of units on each of them. Feel free, be my guest. Um, so, so let's get into the games here. The first game we're going to be uh, taking down here is going to be this, uh, this New England-Buffalo game today, uh, or rather on Sunday. So New England heads into Buffalo. Last time they were there, there was an implement thrown onto the field, um, and it was a sexual implement, and we're not going to go deeper into it than that. I love Bill's Mafia. I love them. They're going to bring so much heat to this game. First time they've started 3-0 since uh, 2011 when they ended up 6-10, but that's beside the point. Uh, So Buffalo's all hyped up. Now on the other side, we've got a New England team that's been prolifically excellent and dominant through the first three weeks of the season. New England's defense is the first defense in NFL history to not allow an offensive touchdown through the first three games of the season. Now I want to reiterate that point there. No Touchdowns allowed by the Patriots defense in the first three weeks of the season. That's absolutely an incredible statistic. Uh, you think back to some of the greatest defenses of all time, the the, the Steel Curtain. Um, we think back to you know uh, some of the the other defenses that have been dominant as of late. Uh, although, albeit in a more offensive era, it, it, let's just talk about the seventies. Yeah, the Purple People Eaters. Yeah, the Steel Curtain. Some of these defenses playing against quarterbacks like Bob Avellini that were just trash, like they didn't run offenses well back then. And even then, defenses couldn't um, withstand three games without allowing a touchdown in any case through all of those, all of those seasons. So what the Patriots have done is remarkable. They, they play with a precision that is just really fun to watch. Um, now, the, the, the kind of the wild card in this game is we don't really, really know how good either team is. The Patriots have played Pittsburgh, who's 0-3, Miami, who's 0-3, and the Jets, who are 0-3, right? So the worst strength of schedule in the league statistically, and that's nothing really to, to write home about. Uh, on the other side, the, the Bills, by the same token, they put the Jets, Giants, and Bengals, uh, barely beat the Bengals last week, uh, came back to beat the Jets in week one, and they put the Giants with Eli Manning. So, I mean, how much are we really going to credit them on that one? So strength of schedule, kind of a wild card. We don't really know who these teams have beaten, how 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 for real each one of them is. Uh, Buffalo's got a big question mark in that regard, um, but I still I still kind of give the, the edge to the Patriots just by the way that they've beaten those teams. Let's look at the quarterback matchup. We've got Josh Allen versus Tom Brady. Now we all know Tom Brady. Been in the least since '99. He's been dominant since then. He's just there's nothing else to say about Tom. On the other side, Josh Allen's second season. Out of Wyoming, he's tall. He looks good in shorts. All that stuff. He's played very well this season. He's got great precision down the field. He he really does have a rocket arm. It's fun to watch him play. He really is one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch, other than you know Mahomes and Watson and Trubisky and those types of guys. So, I do. I mean, well, Allen's playing well, but Brady doesn't make mistakes at this point in his career. And until he proves that he's gonna be flustered at any point this season. Uh, I still give the edge to Tom Brady, even though Allen's fun to watch. He's great on his feet, great throwing the ball downfield. He probably has got more juice on his toss than Tom Brady does at this point, and not probably, he definitely does. However, uh, the precision, uh, again, not just by the Patriots' defense, but by Tom Brady in his 2000th NFL season, I'll give him the edge. Um, So all in all, I mean, New England minus seven in this one, uh, they're going to win the game. I, I'm confident about that. They don't go into Buffalo. They don't lose against the Bills. It uh, just doesn't really happen with Tom Brady. Now, they are on the road, and they're a different team on the road. I'll give you that. However, uh, I, I still I still like the Patriots. The precision with which they've played this season, the way they've routed teams, they're allowing less than 200 yards a game on defense, which is, again, another just ridiculous, ridiculous stat. The next closest team is like 80, 280 yards per game. So, like, th- they're doing things that we haven't seen in a long, long time on defense. Uh, like not even the greatest defense of all time, the 1985 Chicago Bears, had this type of dominance through the first three games of the season. It, it speaks to their coaching, it speaks to their personnel, et cetera. I like New England 23-14. to 14. Uh, Buffalo gets a couple touchdowns at home. They're going to be riled up. They might jump out to a 7-0 lead, but uh, New England's going to gonna control this game. And uh, I, I like the Patriots here, 23-14, minus seven. Take the Pats. Game number two here, Kansas City at Detroit. Kansas City is minus six and a half in this one. So uh, one touchdown win gets us, gets us some money. Uh, we're definitely taking the Chiefs. Uh, it's hard to not take the Chiefs. Detroit is 2-0-1. They've been kind of a surprise team this year. But they're still Detroit. They're still shitty. I was talking to a, a Michigan guy the other week, and, uh, I mean, I just I couldn't even talk. Like, I talked to Packers fans or Vikings fans, and I talked some smack, you know? Uh, talk about certain performances recently in the past that the Bears have absolutely shellacked them on every front. I talk shit on the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks Sucker Cousins is a loser. Aaron Rodgers is a crybaby. If, I'm watching this Packers game tonight, and it's it's a great game. Uh, we're just starting off with the third quarter here, and I'm really hoping the the birds pull this one out just because it it makes the Bears' road to the to the NFC North Championship a little bit easier in the short run, but. I, again, go back to this Michigan kid. I can't even talk smack to him, right? He's just—he's pathetic. It's an—it's an abysmal franchise. They've never been good. They—they're sorry to watch, and they had the Bears number for a number of years there under John Fox and Mark Trestman. So what? The Lions suck. They're two zero and one, but but you you can't put them on the same tier as the Chiefs right now, even though they've been scrappy. They beat the Chargers. They tied the Cardinals, which is a joke. So, like, let's not get too high on the Lions here. The other stat I want to bring up for you, uh, not that that was a stat. That was more of just a uh, rampage against a really shitty franchise. Uh, But I do want to bring up the fact that uh, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, last. So, Patrick Mahomes has not started a game in a dome in the NFL, which is kind of crazy to think about through a year year and a quarter almost. No starts in a dome, 20 starts. Now, let's compare that to, like, another team, just to show you kind of the variance that we have here. So, the Atlanta Falcons play, I think, three games outside all season. Three games outdoors. Now, they're, they're a significantly better team indoors. Obviously, they have their eight at home in Atlanta. They play the Saints. They play the AFC South this season. so They play in Indy, and they play in Houston. And the rest of their games, they, they got a couple dome games mixed in there. So, they have three games outside. Now, Kansas City, it's their first game in a dome in 21 games. Last game Mahomes played in a dome was 2016 in college. He was playing Baylor at Jerry World. Now, this, I mean, hold on to your horses, folks. Hold on to your chairs. Something, you're going to pass out. Mahomes went for 568 yards passing and six touchdowns in his last game in a dome. So you thought this guy was good outdoors and, you know, in frigid conditions of Arrowhead and, you know, New England and wherever it may have been through the past couple seasons, Pittsburgh. In a dome, this guy is proven to be an absolute savant. And uh, take any Mahomes prop you might have, like yards, touchdowns, whatever it is. First score uh, is going to be a Mahomes touchdown pass. So just take all the Chiefs receivers as the first score prop for that game. But the guy might go for 505 touchdowns. Uh, The Chiefs go in 35-14 here. The Chiefs are, 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 are too good. They're too good. Uh, and Mahomes is, is going to light up Ford Field. The only the X factor in this game here is on Johnson and the Lions. Uh, the Lions offensive line under Graham Glasgow and Frank Ragnow at guard and center, um, respectively, have been very good this season. Surprisingly very good. Uh, those two are kind of leading the way. So I would look at Kerrion Johnson uh, as kind of an X factor in this one. If the Lions get the ball first and can run the ball down the field, on the Chiefs, it's going to steal a lot of momentum, and uh, the the Chiefs have the number twenty seven ranked rush defense in the league right now. So uh, just just be careful of that. If if there's one X factor that could go the Lions' way, it's going to be pounding the rock. Chiefs D line um, giving up a lot of rush yards so far this season, including three rush touchdowns to the uh, four rush touchdowns to the Ravens last, last last week. So keep an eye out for that. But but all in all, uh, I don't think it's going to be close. Next game here. Let's uh, let's talk about Lamar and that Baltimore offense. We we got Baltimore hosting the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore is a seven point favorite. I like the favorites this week. These are three really good AFC teams uh, playing three kind of hopefully good but not actually proven to be good teams. So this is uh, Baltimore hosting Cleveland. Now I'm looking at the strength versus the strength in this one. That's the matchup to watch, and that's going to be the Baltimore offensive line. Facing off against a newly assembled, very talented, but newly assembled Cleveland defensive line. So Baltimore's offensive line features some of the best tackles, uh, maybe the best tackle combination in the league. I mean, there's a couple good tackle combos out there. Um, I look at Green Bay. I love watching their tackles play. Um, I I look at a couple other places. uh, Dallas, for one, like I was saying earlier. Uh, But realistically, Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr., up in Baltimore, averaging like 6'8", 350 at the tackle position between the two of them. Uh, They're going to be able to shut down Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. Um, I like the experience of the Baltimore offensive line, led by Marshall Yanda at guard here uh, in the interior. Really, I just give them the advantage over really what Cleveland has as a strength on defense. And I I do think the Ravens are going to continue to run the ball really well. Let's look at Lamar versus Baker a little bit. So Lamar is two years younger than Baker. He's 1-0 against Baker. He's arguably put up a more impressive career to this point despite not winning Rookie of the Year last season. Uh, He had significantly fewer starts than Baker last season. So Lamar this season, let's just take a look at the numbers. Lamar's 63% completion, 288 pass yards per game, 2.3 touchdowns per game, uh, no picks, and 57 rushing yards per game. Baker, on the other hand, 57% completion, 268 yards per game passing. He has a touchdown per game this season and 1.7 picks per game with no rushing yardage average at this point. So the, the edge performance-wise is clearly in Lamar's favor. Now, Baker's got a, a bad offensive line, so it might all be talent-based. But production-wise, Lamar is uh, really outperforming Baker so far. As he, Lamar is the 32nd pick. Undoubtedly has a big chip on his shoulder in games against Baker, who's the first pick in that draft. So what I'm saying here is I like Lamar to kind of continue the stretch. The offensive line has the advantage. They're playing very well right now. And the Ravens are 7-2 and two at home since the start of 2018. They've really been dominant in Baltimore. Uh, Browns have struggled on the road, despite their little hot streak here. They're three and six on the road since the start of last season. So I'm taking the Ravens at home, and I think it's gonna be a good game. I think they're gonna grind it out a little bit. I think uh, the difference is gonna be that Ravens rushing attack, as it has been for the first three weeks, and that offensive line, those tackles really shutting down the Cleveland pass rush. So let's just say, um, let's just say Ravens at home, and we'll give them um, twenty eight to. 28-17, uh, to 17, Ravens. Uh, they're going to win and cover. Next game here, let's go to New Orleans-Dallas, Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's going to be an awesome game. Two powerhouses in the NFC, despite Drew Brees being gone. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch Teddy Bridgewater. And um, the Saints proved last week in the Seahawks game that uh, Drew Brees is kind of like you know the, the eyes of that team. Uh, And when they went blind, the rest of their senses really strengthened. Their defense played really well in the first three quarters. Alvin Kamara put up a great game, 161 yards on 25 touches and a couple touchdowns. And Michael Thomas got his first touchdown of the season as well. So, uh, uh, you know, their defense scored. Their special team scored on a punt return. New Orleans is is a complete team in every sense of the word. And, And they were, you know, deservedly in the Super Bowl last season for a reason. They're a very good team. Dallas, on the other hand, uh, they kind of always have that disappointing moment in the season. They've been so good this far, but they've played the Giants, the Redskins, sorry, the R words. I'll bleep that out. Can't be uh, using racial slurs on the podcast. And they played the Dolphins, who are just abysmal. So Josh Rose and Eli Manning, and Case Keenum. Uh, yeah, okay, you're three and all against those guys. Good job, but uh, but let's 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 play a real team this time. Uh, Dallas is four and five on the road since the start of twenty eighteen as opposed to 9-1 and at home. They've been dominant at Jerry World. They've been paltry on the road, and that's not including their playoffs. So they're 4-6 on the road, including playoffs. 10-1 and at home, including playoffs. Um, so Dallas is a different team on the road. Dak is a different quarterback on the road. He's throwing for average of 25 fewer yards on the road. He's got 11 touchdowns and 6 picks in those games. And at home, he's got 20 touchdowns and 4 picks. So Dallas is a different team on the road. Dak is a different team on the road. Saints have a complete team. The Saints are riding high, and I think they love playing with Teddy Bridgewater leading the way. I like the Saints at home. Sunday Night Football, we're going to have an awesome, awesome game. Dallas is two and a half point favorites. I like the Saints to win 31-24, and there might even be more scoring in this one. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, neither of these defenses are particularly outstanding, and I will take the, the Saints 31-24. Moving on, let's go to uh, representation for the Yinzer, who's missing from the Hogcast today. Cincinnati visits Pittsburgh on Monday night and Monday night football. Cincinnati is four-point underdogs. Pittsburgh has won seven straight in this series and ten of the last 11. They've been really dominant over their, uh, their foes to the southwest in Cincy. Their average margin of victory, however, in the last three games is only four point three points, so that's that's with uh, AB and Big Ben, and the Steelers are only winning by four point three points per 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 victory. So it's been they've been close games, they've been competitive despite the Bengals not being a very good team the past two seasons. Um, now without AB and Big Ben, the story changes for sure. So um, the Bengals are not a bad team this season. They're on three. It's a bad looking on three, but they've lost to the teams with a cumulative record of eight and one. That being the Bills and the 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks, who are at 2-1. and one. So the Bengals have lost to good teams. They've kept it close in some of those games, not so much in others. Um, but, but the Bengals are a better team than their record indicates. I think the Pittsburgh is not very good, and they, they really lack on some of the advantages they had over Cincinnati in years past. Pittsburgh has the 28th ranked rushing defense in the NFL. Joe Mixon has like under 100 yards in his first three games for the Bengals. Uh, I'd really like him to pick that up this game. I think the Bengals are going to go and try and capture some of the Monday night energy in Pittsburgh by uh, stringing out some long drives, running the ball with Joe Mixon. I think it's an opportunity for the Bengals offensive line to prove themselves here. So um, I like Joe Mixon to pick it up in this game. And I like Cincy to go in in a really hard-fought game. These are always really fun games to watch because – the teams hate each other. They are going to hit hard. They're going to block. They're going to tackle. Good Midwestern football. I like the Bengals 21-17. Uh, the Pittsburgh contingency in the pig Pen is not going to be happy about that, but uh, but I do like the Bengals in this one. The Steelers' woes are going to continue against a team that uh, is not as bad as the record indicates. So that's that. 21-17, Cincy. Take, take Cincy. Uh, you know, four-point underdogs. And finally, the game of the week. We've got the Vikings in Chicago, Sunday afternoon, game of the week. Uh, easily the game of the week. Both 2-1 and teams fighting to catch up to the Packers here, who are now down 27-20 in this one. Eagles just dropped a pick, Nigel Bradham. You suck. Um, but anyways, catch, fighting to catch the Packers right now at 3-0. Maybe 3-1, maybe 4-0. We'll see how this game goes. Uh, Minnesota-Chicago. So the Bears are whipping out their throwbacks worn in 1936. Um, if you haven't seen them, go check them out on uh, Twitter, Instagram, etc. They're they're pretty they're pretty nice looking. They got a little weird uh, bumblebee look going on with the socks, but but I like them in general. Um, they're they they're cool, clean looking unis, and the Bears generally play well in their alternates. Now, so that bodes well for the Bears, obviously. Now, a couple concerns about the uniforms here. Uh, not to spend too much time on the uniforms, but they are important to me. Uh, so they they should be important to you too. So the Bears, first thing is we got kind of the winged helmet going on. We have the three orange stripes going down the Navy helmet. Now, this is the classic Michigan helmet that we all hate so very much. So one thing I'm concerned about here is by wearing the Michigan helmets and emulating them, I wonder if we're going to absorb some of their bad juju. I'm I'm certainly hoping we're not. Uh, Michigan screws up in big games against big opponents with seasons on the line. I'm really hoping the Bears don't do the same uh, in those Michigan helmets this week. Uh, So that could be a concern. Keep your eye on that. Do the helmets affect our play? That'll be a key point to watch for in the game on Sunday. Number two about the jerseys. There's something a bit problematic about this whole 1936 uniform throwback. Uh, 1936 was in the heart of the NFL's ban on African-American players. Now, that ban was mainly instituted by a very racist Washington... Uh, at that point, they were the Boston Braves turning into the Boston Redskins who later became the Washington Redskins. Sorry, bleep that out. I don't say the R words on this podcast. But uh ban instituted by a racist owner who put a racist name on his team and didn't let African-American players play till 1962 on the Redskins. Sorry, R words. Um, that, was, that was kind of the crux of this 12-year ban, so... Uh, the Bears have a really nice piece on their website about uh, their social justice committee discussing the merits of, of, of throwing these jerseys back, um, allowing the current team to, to represent that era in a, in a fashion that, um, you know, is not, an, is not an ode to the practices of that time, but uh, is, is an opportunity to highlight the fact that, you know, uh, black players have become such a big part of the game here and, and we're, we're past an era like that. Uh, I'm happy that they addressed that outwardly. It's not 1936 anymore, so so yes, there's a problematic nature to the jerseys. I think they did a really good job of addressing it, and you, you guys should all go watch that video. Uh, it's an interview with Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks, um, Trey Burton, Mitch Trubisky, and Trey and uh, Chase Daniel, rather, with George McCaskey, the chairman of the of the team, uh, sitting in on the conversation. Go watch that on ChicagoBears.com. Check it out. Uh, so the Bears are doing the right thing in addressing the problematic nature of the jerseys. Anyways, we'll have the pretty jerseys. Let's get on to some X's and O's and maybe some Jimmy's and Joe's too. On the field in this one, the Bears went 2-0 against the Vikes last year. Dominant wins. One on national TV, one in week 17 to knock the Vikes out of the playoffs. That was a lot of fun. So so Coach Nagy's kind of got the Vikes number at this point. Um, We did beat them in alternate uniforms last season at home, so bodes well for this season. Looking from a trend perspective, Minnesota's been lauded all season as as having this vaunted defense, this powerful, unstoppable defense and defensive line and, you know, the Harrison Smiths of the world, whatever. They're not even a top 10 defense this season. The Bears outrank them in uh, pretty much every statistical category. So I'm not concerned about their defense that much. Um, I think we're going to start to see more of this David Montgomery rush attack come to the forefront, which I'm excited about. Uh, and Mitch... You know, has played well against the Vikings in the past, I think he'll do so again. He'll continue to, uh, to learn. He's a very pensive guy, which I love to see. He's always uh, discussing and, and reviewing his own performance for, for ways that he can get better. Um, so anyways, the focus is not going to be on the offensive side of the ball here. The focus here for the Bears is on the defense. Now, we all know about the Bears playmakers. We all know about Dalvin Cook on the Minnesota Vikings, leading the league in rushing with 125 yards per game to this point. I um, just want to talk a little bit about this defense versus this Minnesota, Minnesota offense. So the Bears have the number five rush defense in the league. Pretty dang good. Uh, the Vikings, on the other hand, have the number two rush offense in the league, including the number one rusher, trailing only Baltimore in total rushing yards. So it's kind of a, it's an unstoppable force meets an immovable object type situation here with the Bears really shutting down the run game this season so far. Now, I could, I could get on my knees for Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan and the rest of that defense right now, but I want to talk about two guys particularly who don't get enough credit, probably because of the, the nature of the profile, the position they play. Akeem Hicks left the Redskins game the other night with a knee injury. He's, he did not practice on Wednesday. Um, we're all hoping that he's having a speedy recovery and is able and available on Sunday. Now this happens, Akeem is in his 6th or 7th or 8th year in the league at this point. Um, big guys get banged up a little bit, don't practice. They come back fresh in the game on the weekend. Uh, so we're hoping Akeem is out there, ready to wreak some havoc on the inside. He absolutely dominated against Minnesota at home on Sunday Night Football last season, so we're hoping he gets back to that form. Now his counterpart on the de- defensive interior is Eddie Goldman, who has had uh, really a career year here. Somewhat unnoticed, but Eddie is playing out of his mind, taking on double teams, eating up blockers inside, getting great push at uh, really shutting down uh, offensive interior lines. So I'm excited uh, to see those two guys really step up in this one. I don't have any faith in Kirk Cousins throwing the ball against the secondary. I think if the Vikings go in with a game plan of throwing the ball over 20 times, the Bears will pick them pick Kirk off three times. Uh, I have no confidence in in. You know Thielen and Diggs talk about them as much as you want, but Cousins is a is a eh player, and I uh, don't really like don't really like what he's doing. So so back to the run game, the Vikings are four and one in Dalvin Cook's career when he has over hundred rush yards, and they're five and seven and one when he does not have that total. Now that's somewhat of like a self fulfilling statistic. I do like the fact that the Bears are you know averaging sixty eight rush yards per game. Uh, that defense is is really clicking right now. Obviously, as we all know, everyone watched Monday Night Football this week, and uh, they're they're I think they're going to shut down Dalvin Cook. In fact, the Bears not out, not averaging sixty eight yards allowed on the ground per game. They're averaging a perfect sixty nine yards per game on the ground. That's our sixty nine of the week on the Hogcast. Bears allowing sixty nine yards per game on uh, on the ground this this year. Uh, that's fifth. Overall in the NFL, they're fourth in rush yards allowed per play. Uh, Really, obviously, a dominant unit. How many times do I have to say it? Um, So we're going to hold Dalvin Cook under 100 rush yards. He's a good player. They're really running good zone schemes on the offensive line down in Minnesota. But but we're going to hold them under 100. The Bears' defense is going to do what what needs to be done. They show up in these divisional games at home. That's for sure. Kirk Cousins, three picks probably. And uh, I'd like the Bears to win this one. Uh, Let's say... Uh, 42, Minnesota 6. Uh, we'll give you that prediction. Realistically, the Bears are 2.5-point favorites to 2-point favorites here, so that's in my mind, that's free money. There's no, way, there's no way the Bears lose this one at home in such a crucial matchup. The guys are going to be ready to go. I hope Nagy doesn't pull too many trick plays out of his sleeve. One criticism I have of him is a lot of this offense seems scripted. I'd like to see them just uh, go downhill and, and beat guys one-on-one a little bit more moving forward. But uh, but I think, I think the boys are going to be ready to play at home in a big divisional matchup, um, unlike in week one. So let's go Bears 42, Vikes 6. Big win for the Bears in the alternate unis at home. Bear down, Chicago Bears. That was this week's Three-Eyed Hogcast for week four. Hope you all enjoyed. Get back to me with any feedback you've got. Uh, I'd love to hear it all. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Again, go to the 3 hog.com. That's 3EyedHog.com. Three straight E's in between three and eyed. 3EyedHog.com. Check out the Tuesday Morning Left Tackle column. Subscribe, like, share, Twitter, Instagram, etc. And uh talk, to you again, uh talk to you again next week.
1: Set aside your problems with me, baby. Save your conversation yeah. for the basement. Yeah. I want you speaking in tongues, you know. About those, mm-hmm. when they come together, like we're together. You can't let them step away. You can't let them step away. We're we going mm-hmm. together, so unpredictable. But one thing I know for sure, you turn my.